Hey, it's Jamie with the RunningRestaurants.com podcast. In this upcoming episode, I dig in with Scott Landers of Figure Eight Logistics, all about what's going on with restaurant delivery today. Stay tuned. Hey there, folks. It's Jamie from RunningRestaurants.com. Are you looking to grow your restaurant in 2023? Then you've got to check out Pop Menu. If you've listened to me over the years, then you know I'm a big fan of restaurant tech, making the life of restaurant operators easier and more effective and more profitable. And that's exactly what Pop Menu does through their collection of tools to get folks to your website, to capture their info, and then drive new and repeat business down the road. For a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com running. So go now to get $100 off your first month and learn more about Pop Menu's entire collection of tools at popmenu.com running. That's popmenu.com running. All right, folks, welcome to the runningrestaurants.com podcast, where we bring you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to know to make your restaurant more profitable and successful. I'm your host, Jamie Oikel, and today we've got a great episode for you with Scott Landers, who's the co-founder and sustainability engineer at Figure 8. Welcome, Scott. Uh, welcome, Scott. Tell me about Figure 8. What you got going on? Hey, Jamie. It's great to be here. Um, so figure eight is on a mission to uh, accelerate a more sustainable food system through logistics. We understand that that food is heavy and food access is paramount. Uh, and really, it comes down to the logistics of how do you get it where it's needed, when it's needed, right? Um, during COVID, we learned this, that if guests can't come to the restaurant, the restaurant has to go to the guests. So we really focus on the importance of logistics uh, and creating a variety of channels, both online and offline, that restaurants can use to provide for their guests wherever they are. Is it the case that you guys pretty much launched around the time of, of COVID or, or take me back to, 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 to that timeline? Yeah, so we actually launched about a year before in the very beginning of 2019 after okay. I had left my job uh, working at a restaurant where I ran all their delivery and catering operations internally. Uh, so started Figure 8 uh, about February 2019. Okay. So we've been up and running for about a year and then uh, COVID really, you know, accelerated a lot of what we were doing. Well, okay. So, so good timing to already be, be put because delivery came to the forefront, to the extreme, especially in the big cities. And I know you were in multiple big cities pro probably during that time. So a lot of learnings during that, what was, what was it like in the very, that very beginning, that hectic few months where people were like, wow, we got to figure this out. What'd you feel? Yeah. Um, in the earliest days, it was this big whiplash from, you know, some restaurants went from 100% or, or almost 100% dine-in to 100% dine-out, right, mm -hmm. or off premises. Mm -hmm. So that switch alone, um, a lot of restaurants just decided to close temporarily or some of that turned into permanent closures. But a number of restaurants said, hey, we're going to stay open, you know, even if it's in a more limited capacity. So how do we build this, this new capacity, really, these new channels? So in the early days, we were helping restaurants with what I like to call zero to one, which is you didn't have a system for online yeah. ordering or premises delivery. We got to get you a system in place. And we would really look at how do we do that um, with fairly constrained resources, right? You don't necessarily want to change your whole point of sale and all your operating systems to be able to bring these channels on. But you also want to really do it in a way that you still have some control over it, uh, a higher degree of profitability and not just taking uh, kind of the easy option in the first you know, piece of technology that walks through the door. So we would really come in and help understand how do you build these channels in a way that works for your business, right? Mm -hmm. Not just plugging in uh, a third party and, and copying and pasting your menu, but understanding 
how might I need to change my menu to better suit an online ordering experience or menu items of travel? Um, how might I need to invest in different photography or different packaging in order to enable a, an experience that is what I would call brand positive? Um, so in those early days, it was a lot of how do we get this set up uh, and make sure that we're able to continue to stay around for another day. Yeah, you just uh, you just hit on a bunch of things that I'm going to follow up on. So I'll try I'll try to do them in part of it. But there was a lot there was a lot there to kind of go back to. Um, one of them is the um, the why it didn't exist before question. Like uh, people people they must I, I remember I remember when it happened. It's like everyone's like uh, restaurants were really humming at that point. So everything was kind of easy. I hate using that word easy, but people were doing very well. And then the, the, the that button, that button happened and everything slowed down. Everyone's like, why didn't we have this set up before? And everyone scrambled to get it ready. And folks have learned a lot in the process and hopefully, and I've said this repeated podcasts and, and webinars and so forth. Hopefully we continue to take those learnings that obviously shifted revenue from to 80% delivery in some cases, but as, as, as folks come back in, hopefully that shift stays there and that ability to deliver uh, and, and make more profits continues as part of the, the DNA of restaurants. Cause it's, it's like, why wasn't that there before? Why, why, why were we not ready? But anyway, so I digress, but uh, I want to, I want to come, I definitely want to come to the profitability part of delivery, which is a big part of it. I want to get to the menu optim optimization part of uh, online stuff and delivery. Photo photography was a good point. Hadn't, hadn't wrote that down, so I made a note of that. But let's go back to your title for a second. You call yourself sustainable engineer. I know you have a background in, in tech as well. What does it mean? How does it relate to what you guys do there now? Yeah, so uh, as Figure 8, like I mentioned, we're, we're on a mission to accelerate a more sustainable food system. So that really requires looking at, well, what are the components of the system? And we like to define these as humans, hardware, and software, uh, and in that order. At the end of the day, the food system wouldn't exist if we didn't all have to eat three times a day or two times a day. Uh, so really, the reason we, we wake up in the morning, whether it's as a restaurant, as a broadline distributor, as a farmer, as a grocery store, is to help make sure that there's food on the plates and that we can uh, ensure a healthy uh, and fed society. Um, so when you recognize that it, it's first and foremost about humans, you, you always start from that perspective, whether it's the end consumer, the business owner, uh, the person on the line is how do you design a system that works first and foremost for people, right? The second thing is then hardware, right? How do we look at what are the tools that people need to, to enable this? Do I need an oven? Do I need a phone? Do I need a box truck, right? It's a piece of packaging. What are the tools that we're going to need to, uh, equip those people with? And then third is what is the software used to kind of lock all that up? Once you know how your system works, software can really help you automate and expand uh, the sustainability of that system. So we look at those elements and we understand what is sustainable for people, right? What is sustainable for hardware, making sure we're minimizing waste? What is sustainable in terms of technology? So it's not changing every six months and I don't feel like I'm working for the tech, but that it's working for me. And at the end of the day, where all that wraps up to is sustainable finances, right? Mm -hmm. Is that you have to make sure that at the end of the day, not just if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense, but how can you ensure that you're going to maintain your profitability, that you're going to continue to be able to drive revenue and attract guests no matter where they are, right? Whether that's online or in person or ordering for a group or ordering for one, you know, a single individual, this is really where building a delivery system helps that restaurant ensure their financial sustainability, which builds a flywheel effect and allows them to create better jobs for people, 
invest more in sustainable hardware uh, and ensure that they're using the right technology to get the job done. Yeah, appreciate that. And there, I want to go to um, a quote on your website that kind of points to the, this next question, where you it says, you know, there's a world where zero waste is possible, and we are, you know, designing to get there. Referring to you guys, designing to get there, and. and it, it is very, a lot of folks anyway, when I do, do a take I'm like, I got a big bag, I get four cardboard containers and whatnot, and then we eat, we devour it, and then we kind of throw that stuff in the corner, and we try to recycle it all, but I feel like it's going, I don't know where it's going, and I know doing, this, doing the research on your site, you guys want to streamline that better. Talk about that. Yeah, we used to use um, this old idea of bringing back the milkman in a sense, right, where... The milkman used to deliver milk every day. Uh, lots of bottles would, would be filled with milk and you just put the old bottle out and you get the new one, right? So you're never actually wasting that hardware. You're just using it as a means to deliver food, right? Which is the goal that we're working with. So um, there's a number of layers to this. There's working to ensure that you're just investing in more sustainable materials, right? More plant-based materials, less fossil-based materials. Um, there's a big education component when it comes to the people, right? Whether it's the end guests making the decision or your staff on the line in terms of um, just recognizing the value of, of the hardware, right? That not only does it cost money to dispose of it, it costs money for you to buy it and stock it and restock it. So how can you build systems that work on reusability? Um, and then third is really, again, looking at the financial implications of it, right? Um, we've gotten used to giving away cutlery because uh, it seems like the hospitable thing to do, but you recognize that it's costing you money um, and the guest likely already has cutlery. So it's not necessarily providing a good experience for them, right? So things as simple as creating um, opt-in for cutlery and then making sure your team is trained on that. So you don't include the extra fork and napkins unless they're, they're needed, um, there's a bunch of little things like that that go into um, helping make this more sustainable and really thinking through, again, what is that whole system that allows a, a zero waste and more sustainable world? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I do see, so I do see some of those pieces. Talk about the geography of where you guys operate the most in, in some big cities. Are you suited? Is that, well, just talk about the, where you guys operate and maybe is it, are you more suited for big cities, independence, rural, what, what is an ideal target customer for you folks? Yeah, we, we got our start here in New York City. So I'd say uh, not only working in a city, but in a city that particularly has had food delivery for a long time allows mm -hmm. us a bit of an insight as to how, you know, how this world kind of plays out. Sure. So I'd say most of our customers uh, and clients are in larger cities across the country. We have worked in LA and Chicago and Houston, and Tampa and New York. So uh, we've worked in cities all across the country, uh, but that tends to be where there's more consumer demand for online ordering or awareness of how these systems work. Um, you know, I, like I, I mentioned, I grew up on a farm uh, in rural Texas, so food delivery has not made it out there yet. Right? right. Just the idea that you can order through a phone as opposed to having to call the restaurant uh, is still a, a bit of a mind shift. So what we found our most success are with um, restaurant groups that operate in cities that have multiple locations so they can really um, appreciate the scale of the impact. Uh, there's typically a, a difference between restaurants that are less than 10 units and more than 10 units. Less than 10 units, right. you're still building your systems. 
you're still sometimes going from that zero to one or trying to figure out what your model is, focused on really opening up new physical locations. Once you've you know, achieved that, that 25 to 50 unit range, you're able to step, step back and really look at where now do I invest in my system to um, start to get the most out of what I already have. I've kind of, I've built the infrastructure, but maybe my menu isn't engineered uh, in a way that's getting the most out of every order. Um, maybe I haven't really taken the time to look at starting to trim down uh, my use of paper goods in the delivery experience. So uh, that's where we find the biggest impact are restaurants that are operating primarily in, in urban or sub suburban areas and that have, yeah. you know, 10 to 50 locations. Perfect. I want to I want to go right back to menu engineering where you just touched on. Uh, it's kind of a big deal for restaurants profit wise as things are getting harder, labor costs, et cetera, to have a, a menu that is very profitable for you. When delivery started, I think a lot of restaurants, I don't have something something handy, but if this was my menu, they took their menu and boom, they slapped it online and everything was the same. I would argue, and I'm sure you guys do, that that's not the exact good way to do delivery. What are some tips, tools, strategies, things you've seen people do successfully in, in bringing their menu to an online version? Maybe it's stripping stuff out. Maybe it's adding stuff. Maybe it's changing prices. Maybe it's having dynamic prices. What, what are you seeing? Yeah, there's a few angles. I think you, you said it right, which is the difference between uh, you know a menu that might be the size of a piece of paper right, versus something that's the size of my phone. right? It's much right. smaller. I think understanding that those experiences for ordering are different. right? If I have a big paper menu, I can look at the whole thing at once uh, and very quickly sort through my categories and what I'm trying to find. If I'm on my phone and you haven't made any changes to that menu, it's going to feel like I'm scrolling forever, right? And at a certain point, you just get bored and you either say, well, I'll just take whatever's on top or uh, I'll go somewhere that will give me a simpler menu. Uh, so when it comes to online ordering, streamlining and consolidation really is, is your friend. Try to get it to where there's no more than 20 to 30 items. And that doesn't mean 20 to 30 items. It means 20 to 30 items as presented on the menu. So you could have an item that says sandwich, and then underneath that, the modifiers are Reuben, chicken club, you know, veggie, and it lists 10 different sandwiches under there. So rather than listing all 10 of your sandwiches on the open, right, you have one item that's sandwich or one category, and then allow them to continue to kind of find their own journey. So uh, modifiers are your friend when it comes to online ordering. The next thing is, again, like I mentioned, typically those, those items that are right up front that most popular, the greatest hits. Mm -hmm. um, that's where people want to spend their time. They're not going to be scrolling down. So they'll trust, you know, the same way that your server would say, well, we have a really great soul on the menu tonight. Uh, they'll say, great, I'll take the soul, right? So you want to make sure that you're building that hospitality into that uh, first category. Uh, and these should be ones that are either your most brand accretive items or that have your highest cogs, or excuse me, highest profit margins. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, you know, those are two ways to, to simplify your menu to ensure that you're placing the items that you want to sell right up front and the guests can find them very easily. And then the next thing to work on are all these other aspects of a digital menu, right? Having complete descriptions, having allergen information, um, having beautiful photographs that, that feel somewhat unique to your brand, but mostly that show exactly what the food's going to look like. 
Um, and then from there, once you've kind of optimized the experience and that profit margin, you want to look at now, how do I maximize my check size, right? How do right. I uh, get that upsell in every order, right? So whether that's selling meals or uh, family packages or date nights, ensuring that it's not just uh, an entree, but that the entree has the, an easy option to add on a drink and add on a side and add on a dessert, or that you have a prefix menu for a flat cost, right? These are all tricks that you can use to maximize your dollars per click while getting your guests through uh, in an expedient process. Yeah, I, I I do appreciate that. I was writing stuff down all, all while you were talking the, the and you hit you hit them while you were talking the upsell process, the ability. The phone is great at it, right? Uh, Amazon's great at it. The the AI tech is great at it. You've bought this. You also might like this. We recommend that. Um, we harp on servers all the time in our sessions that they do typically a poor job in store about recommending upsells, whether it's training, whether it's just they're busy, I don't know, but they do a very poor job. Their order takers, with my buddy Roger and I, with their order their order takers, they just do their job. They don't sell the extra stuff. But your phone uh, or your mobile device can work harder for you and make make those check uh, check sizes increase. Um, we talk about having a captive audience. They've already decided to order with you. Let's get more money from them. Not in a greedy way, but in a give them in a good experience way and maximize that opportunity. So, so those are all good things. Um, I think, I think online delivery folks have, have learned a lot about the modifiers, how to add stuff, how to get an accurate order. Have you seen any data or any, uh, just kind of insights on the accuracy of orders placed and people being happy versus sometimes it just coming out wrong in the past or any learnings around that? Yeah. I mean, order accuracy is always one of the top things guests look for in the meal experience. You know, it's timeliness of the delivery it's mm. uh, you know, temperature and quality of the food. And then it's accuracy of what you ordered. Um, if you got those, those things, right. You're, you're already ahead of the game. Um, so again, the way you design your menu can help get ahead of your order accuracy, right? So by having more uh, consolidated menu, right? There are fewer opportunities to make a mistake. Uh, by having built in an explicit modifiers that say, you know, remove the cheese or add the tomato as opposed to a blank open notes instruction, you know, special instructions, you're, you're building more uh, predictability into what those modifiers are. So you're not going to leave a blank and someone puts in some kind of ridiculous request, like hold the sauce when it's built into the dish, right? So mm -hmm. you want to make sure you're not setting false expectations for the guests uh, and ones that are going to really slow down or uh, potentially create an issue on the line. Let's um, two, two more topics and we'll, and we'll, and we'll head towards wrap, but I, I want to go back to profitability of delivery for a second. And, and I know I wrote a quote somewhere on your site that, that addressed it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Profitable economics of food delivery can be elusive. And you guys are, uh, it says our experts are here to make them clear. It is the number one thing people see. Yeah, it's easy to plug in a third party delivery. It's easy to kind of say we do delivery. It's hard to make money doing it because there's a lot of uh, structure cost to it. So restaurants know they need to do it, but they don't want to lose money doing it. So there are, there's got to be ways to do it right. And, and you guys are obviously on, on one of the folks on the forefront of doing this. How do you think about the economic piece of it and, um, you know, bring costs out and I'll just let you kind of talk about it from there. Yeah. Well, I think the, one of the differences uh, maybe from three years ago to now, uh, this is due to a variety of reasons is the willingness to take price, right. And the willingness to charge 
what it actually costs you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to deliver this experience, to, to deliver this food uh, while still making a margin. Um, we've seen restaurants that have had to raise their prices a number of times over the last two or three years, mostly due to supply chain, right? The cost of packaging is going up. The cost of meats and vegetables are going up, right? Uh, at a certain point, you can't keep having your costs go up without your prices going up unless you're either <laughs> just had really great margins before or you're, you're squeezing somewhere else. Um, so I think that is probably the first idea you really got to get in your head is that um, you need to charge what it's worth, right? And, and I think guests now are recognizing uh, because they've felt costs increase, uh, they see the cost of, of providing quality jobs and quality food is, is higher. And so there's a bit more of an expectation that food's going to cost more. So within that, there's a few things you can do. So um, we we talk a lot about delivery, but we're, really what we're building are online ordering systems. So every that same menu that we talk about optimizing for delivery also works for your pickup, right? So we've seen uh, a big shift in demand toward pickup and towards takeout where guests are doing the delivery themselves, right? They're actually coming to your restaurant. So in that case, you don't have to worry about the, the delivery fee. Uh, and, and this extra cost of how do I get it that last mile because the guests taking care of it themselves. So then when it comes to delivery, knowing that many of your guests prefer pickup and the ones that don't are choosing not to pick it up themselves, you need to make sure your delivery fee is, is appropriate to what it costs you, right? If it costs you five bucks to deliver it, you should be charging the guests at least $5, right? There's no need to um, make money on the last mile, but there's definitely no need to lose money, right? You mm -hmm. make your money on on the food sale. So, uh, you know, make your money there and then just pass on the cost of the last mile logistics. And the same idea goes for third party, right? Is if you are on these marketplaces, particularly if they're a large portion um, or a meaningful portion of your business, you need to make sure that they're actually contributing to the bottom line. So if you're running, say a 20%, if you have a 20% commission um, on this third party marketplace, um, you should probably be thinking about running your prices 22 to 25% higher than you do dine-in to make up for that commission, right? Uh, and, and many of these platforms allow you to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be on there, it's really not a matter of, well, you know, how, how much do I have to suffer and how little, you know, can I, can I get by with making and still be profitable, um, it's really recognized that it's a premium service to order on a third party. It's a premium service to get delivery. Uh, and, and guests should be aware of that and, and ask to pay for it. Because um, if not, you can always come to the restaurant yourself and pick it up. You can come and always come in and dine in with us. Um, so I think as the restaurant tour, you yeah. have to be willing to pass that cost down. Yeah, it's a, you made a lot of good points there, Scott. Uh, five years ago, everybody would balk at a delivery cost, both from the consumer side and, and, and the restaurant side. We can't add a delivery charge and, it, and we've all become accustomed to it now. And, and it is a premium service. I, if, I, if, I, if I don't want to leave my house and I want that delivered, we all really have had the mindset now, aside from Amazon, delivering everything free instantaneously. I don't know how they do that, but, but, uh, but we, do, we understand that food incurs cost and so forth. So it is, it is a mindset and I appreciate you kind of spelling that out as a premium service. So last topic, um, New York's probably seen it a lot more than some and, and other big cities have seen it. That idea of ghost kitchens. Any anything there that you guys work with directly or anything you're seeing trend wise? 
Yeah, we've, we've been fortunate to work with a number of ghost kitchens over the past three years uh, and have some familiarity with ghost kitchens and also the virtual brand space, which is a little bit of a, a parallel idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, simply the idea is that these are dark kitchens that don't have a storefront that are primarily used for online orders or off-premises business. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, a number of ways that they can be set up everywhere from one big shared kitchen to these facilities that have 15 or 20 individual kitchens within them and, and then maybe a central dispatch area. Um, I think what we've seen is there was a lot of hype around this uh, new new format really is what it is. You know, you have fine dining, casual dining, fast casual, quick service. You know, ghost kitchens is just another form factor in which you can deliver food. Um, I think there was a lot of people that rushed into the space thinking that it was a, a lower cost way to start my business. Um, but the real issue is you still have to have a marketing plan. And the beautiful thing about having a brick and mortar is that that's your advertising, right? Is everybody's walking by, they're seeing it. So um, it, I think it's it's a false idea to think you can just open up in a ghost kitchen and if you build it, they'll come, right? You've really, especially if you're an independent business, you've got to be able to lean into digital marketing mm-hmm. um, or know that you otherwise have the demand that you're just choosing to fulfill that demand somewhere else. So I think ghost kitchens have become very successful with um, a lot of your larger QSR brands that can just use it as a, a cheaper form of market infill. Um, I think you're also seeing smart brands um, start to think of their own restaurants as ghost kitchens and uh, building complementary brands that can run out of their own kitchen. So uh, there's a, a number of ways to use this. They're a great new tool, I feel. Um, but you got to be smart about it and really look at why am I using a ghost kitchen uh, and how am I going to ensure that I'm sustainably driving sales uh, through that, that facility? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, it's been a trend that has been quite interesting to see over the, over the last few years. So uh, as we wrap up, uh, send them to anything you want, social to the website, uh, where should they go? Yeah. They can always go uh, to our website at figure eight. That's the number eight dot delivery. Um, or just give us a call or a text anytime at our hotline. 212-888-7700. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit that uh, address for folks one more time. Uh, folks that was Scott Landers of figure eight, you can find them at figure eight dot delivery. So a little bit different, not a dot com figure eight dot delivery uh, for more great restaurant marketing service, people tech news. You can stay tuned to us here at runningrestaurants.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks Scott. Thanks Jamie.